0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Amen. They're yay and amen forever settled. We don't ever have to question the promises of God. Standing on His promises. That's where we are this evening. Amen. From the depths of my heart, let me say thank you for being here tonight. Amen. No matter Uh, What you had to do to be here, I'm thankful that you're here. And may God bless you, and I trust that he already has blessed you for being in the house of the Lord. God, give us a desire like never before to be in his house, in his presence. Amen. We're at our post of duty this evening. Amen. We're at our post of duty. There is no doubt that we're in a very distracting season of our calendar year, sadly. Amen, but let's, let's stay focused and let the Spirit of God touch our heart. If you have your Bibles, join me in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. Amen. I probably will not say anything brand new this evening, but I do trust to underline some things and perhaps with a fresh anointing, God can just open our eyes in a different way a very comforting, promising passage of scripture, verse 12, amen, Is a warning, verse 13, gives some instruction and consolation. Verse number 12 of First Corinthians 10, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. It always makes me fearful in the presence of arrogant people. Amen, always, arrogance always makes me uncomfortable because of 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Amen, you gotta be careful. When you think you have it, that's when you realize in an instant that you don't have it at all. Amen. Verse number 13, the Bible says, there has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer, to, not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. I want to speak on the subject of temptation this evening, and uh, I understand that for all of us, we're at different stations in our life, but temptation is not something that's just reserved for the young or just some other certain point in our life, but it is something that we deal with um, on some level Every day, there are all kinds of things that make themselves available. Sadly, sometimes when we think of the word temptation, our mind kind of runs out to a short tether and we only think of a few things. But there are many things that tempt us in our relationship with God. Um, I was very tempted yesterday morning. Other things were going on and I was tempted not to pray yesterday morning. I'll just do it later in the day or I'll do it this evening. But time has taught me that if you don't do it then if the devil can steal it from you in the morning he'll steal it from you at noon and he'll steal it at midnight and uh, so there's all kinds of temptations that come our way may the lord bless you and let's just make this uh, this journey together you can be seated one of the perils that we certainly face from day to day is uh, temptation in various forms the word temptation can have two direct meanings or or directions of thought maybe uh, there is certainly a temptation that can be a, t- a a testing or a trying season of our life and we've been through those tempting times not necessarily tempted with the allure of sin or things of that nature but just trying times testing and tempting our faith and then it also can be certainly an enticement to sin and as i We'll try to reiterate a couple of times. I think the temptations of an 18-year-old would be different than that of an 80-year-old, by and large. But uh, (laughs) I don't know if you were laughing or choking over there, but by and large, they may may be different. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Brother Rayleigh wants to correct that. I don't know. But uh, they may be different somewhat. But uh, nonetheless, temptation is temptation. and, uh, And so we have to deal with it. Any enticement from sin certainly doesn't come from the Lord. The Lord may try us, test us, but the Lord would never place himself sin. Amen there. It originates from one of three places. And that is the three things that we fight and face every day. That is from the world, the world around us the environment that we live in from our own flesh or from the devil himself and there are three arenas that we have to deal with on a very regular basis that's that is the that is the origin of these things it's not uh, it's not a sin to be tempted thankfully uh, that means we're human if we are tempted many bible characters were tempted to sin and Many of them did not come to succumb to that at all. Some, of course, we know did, but there are those that were tempted to do evil and withstood that in the face of all things. Noah was a man who taught and preached righteousness in one of the most unrighteous times ever recorded. So he did that which was right. Many other Bible characters stood the test of time, And I'm thankful for that. We don't have to sin even though being a part of life and living is is being a part of that or a part of that rather is to be tempted. So through the power and the help of the Lord, we can have the ability to to say no. I know that not everybody would relate to this, but many years ago, Nancy Reagan was almost laughed off of the globe for a campaign that said just say no. But there is so much truth to that small commitment to just say no. And so we can certainly bring that into our spirit life. Amen. with the help of the Lord, we can have the ability to rise above or to live above, uh, succumbing to temptation. As I mentioned a moment ago, the sins come from three main areas. We fight, of course, Satan. He is referred to not only in Matthew 4, but also in the book of First Thessalonians, he is referred to as the tempter. And so I've often said it's difficult to beat someone at their own game. If you buy an automobile uh, just every now and then, it's very difficult to to uh, to deal with someone that does it every day multiple times a day. And uh, so we have to understand that when the, the Satan himself is referred to as the tempter or other titles that he has, the accuser of the brethren, we have to understand that he is well schooled in that. As a matter of fact, Paul even taught the church in Second Corinthians that Satan could transform himself into an angel of light. And so we have to be very, very careful and have the spirit of discernment to be able to understand what is right, what is wrong, what is real, and what is false. We certainly live in in a world that is filled with temptations. That's what the apostle John referred to in 1 John 2 and 16 when he said, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. These are things that we cannot escape from. They're just a part of everyday living. And so we have to understand the power and the tug of of just the world, how refreshing it is. The scripture calls the spirit of God in these times the rest, wherewith we would call the weary to rest. I'm thankful tonight to come in out of the weather and to feel the spirit and the presence of God to just be loose for a moment of time from the pull and the snare of sin. I think if we were honest this evening with with ourselves, we would say that even in the course of our worship, at times and maybe even this evening that it's entirely possible that even while our hands are raised and our voices are lifted and we are singing words in unison with everybody else that our mind can be somewhere else the pull and the tug of Of the world, it doesn't necessarily have to be sinful things or evil things, vile things. But we just feel that tug of the world—things that we need to do tonight, or the things that we need to do tomorrow, or the things that we need to get taken care of before the weekend. Amen. So we have to be very careful. Of course, Paul uh, or John rather uh, directed his attention to the core of the matter: the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Also, our flesh. I think that uh, the Bible is complete in saying that when we are filled with his spirit, we are given now two natures, one holy nature, a new creature, that comes from God, and the other sinful nature, amen, that Adamic nature, the old man, how you want to refer to that, that is separated from God and enslaved to a moral evil. There is just a natural bent in our heart if we just let ourselves go We are going in the direction of wrong. That's just how it is. That's our flesh. That's what we struggle against every day. If you are swimming in a current, you understand that if you're swimming upstream, you're making headway so long as you're pushing against that. But the very moment you stop, there is something right there waiting. No grand to do. There's no music. There's no clapping of thunder. It's just right there just to pull you right back. Amen. James 1 and 14 said, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. When lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. I don't know how many times that James 1 and 14 has been underlined in my life, and I'm speaking just me specifically tonight, not as though I'm the only one, But how many times have you seen sin in its complete state in the in the work of someone's life? At the very end of their life, when sin was all finished and had wrung them out for everything they were worth, death was just there. That was the last thing. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. There is no good that can come from it. This passage speaks about the conception of lust or the conception of desire. Wrong or evil desires that are not taken seriously. I can tell you that there are some things that we had better better take very seriously in our lives. If you get a house fly in your house, that's probably pretty common. You you may want to deal with that. I'm sure you do. But there are other insects that if they get in, that's a more serious thing. Because in just a little while, they're going to be taking over the place. Amen. So we're going to have to do something about that. We can't just... Uh, pretend as though that's something that will go away or that's something that will die in time but that's maybe something that will take over and so we, uh, we cannot afford to let evil desires and things of that nature, uh, we cannot afford to not take that serious to so understand I got to do something about this now because when we begin to think on those things, ponder on those things, that's when they become hidden within the heart I came across a scripture today in 1 Corinthians 4 and 5 that says this, the Lord will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. So we best not ponder on things too long, lest they become just hidden things in our heart. But the Lord said, I'll bring that to light. I will bring, I will bring that out. And amen. The thing, I'm going to bring hidden things to light and I will make manifest the counsels of the heart. One Old Testament prophet reminds us that you can't trust the heart because it is evil, desperately wicked. We must be very, very careful to guard ourselves against that because when we are uh, lax in these areas, when these things are allowed to take up residence in our heart, that is what leads to sin because if you think on something long enough, your feet will soon follow. That's the conception of lust. God may send trying circumstances to our life from time to time to not only test but to prove our loyalty or draw us back to him. There have been some things, I think, in all of our lives at times that have happened that God had placed that in our path to help us be drawn back to him or drawn closer to him. Israel in their wilderness journey is a great example of that truth. The Bible says in Exodus 15 that the Lord proved them or he tested them. Deuteronomy 8 and 6 tells us that the Lord brings about trying circumstances to humble and to prove us. Job wrote in Job 23 and 10, when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Amen, there is something here God is going to test or he is going to prove. And so uh, the the Lord's not testing us to mess with us. I think that it's very, very important that we think that, that God is never on an ego trip where he is just trying to exercise his power or flex some spiritual muscle. But God certainly may allow some things to come in our life to reveal some weaknesses. Amen. Sometimes we feel like we are stronger than we are and then we are put to the test physically, maybe to walk a little bit more than we would normally walk in a given day, or maybe something that happened where we had to run a little bit. And uh, you find out that you're not as agile as you were a few years ago or a few decades ago. And we we understand some things come, and it just reminds us of where we are, and it brings about an awareness. The Bible said uh, that 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 Satan was allowed to test Job. That may sound a little bit strange, but what this testing revealed was what was already there. God wasn't trying Job to break Job. (laughs) Amen, God knew what Job was made of, and so when Satan come along with this concocted plan, the, the Lord just went along with it and allowed it not to as much proved to Job the things that were that Job knew to be true in his own life although that did happen but he did prove to Satan that Job was a man of integrity and a man that would serve him even if everything was taken from him in all of that he sinned not nor charged God foolishly Jesus himself was tempted in the wilderness a wilderness testing he was tempted to misuse his powers and and worship if you will Satan However, he did not fall into those, into that particular trap. And Matthew 6 and 13, the Bible admonishes us, lead us not into temptation. This was the principle of prayer that was given in the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Now that's a very powerful portion of that prayer. That's a prayer that asks the Lord to help us in these times. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. We live in a world that is filled with evil and filled with temptation, and so I ask you, Lord, to help me to live above that. Help me to walk above that. Amen. There's also, there's a request there for the Lord uh, to enable the, those that are tempted. He said, uh, the, the scripture is asking, help, help me to have the power to resist. Lead me not there. When it comes to man's way, Lord, help me to have the power to stand. I mention often 1st Chronicles 4 and 10 in the prayer of Jabez. Amen. Jabez ends his prayer by saying that thou wouldest keep me from evil. Preserve me, Lord, from that that is around me. Keep me from evil. 1st Corinthians ten thirteen. our text, there has no temptation taken you but such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. I think this passage allows us to consider a few things and I want to touch them in passing. I think that one thing that we must understand is that temptation is something that is common. I don't know how many times the word or the phrase common to man has consoled me through the years. Things that try you, things that test you, and sometimes we feel like that we are living or sailing in uncharted waters, and then we are reminded there is no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. You will not taste anything, feel anything, sense anything that someone before us has not already walked this way. Amen, and and people have walked that way that did not succumb to it, and so I say thank you, Lord, for the power to know that it is a common, common thing. Amen, that seems a lot to, to me to be a lot of validation. Temptations are just a part of a typical human experience. We are going to be tempted. Amen, so we have to understand that we're not the only ones to ever feel this way, think this, or say this. <laughs> amen. Temptation is not a figment of our imagination. Certainly, temptation can be real. There's nothing that the devil likes any better than to tempt someone to sin and then succeed. And the reason for that is because he knows it brings sorrow to the heart of God. It doesn't only bring defeat in our life, but it brings sorrow to the heart of God. We find many examples of this in scripture. Adam and Eve were tempted in the garden. David was tempted with Bathsheba, Job was tempted by his own wife to curse God and die. Ananias and Sapphira were tempted to lie to the Holy Ghost. They gave into that in the book of Acts and died. On and on the list could go of men and women who were tempted, tempted to do things that were wrong. The experiences of the, of the Bible characters prove that the temptations in every sense Uh, of an enticement to sin is a very real thing. It is something that is, again, this should be taken serious. This should be taken serious. How many times, and I'm, I'm not trying to, to to use an example here, um, I, I, distastefully, but I wonder how many times we that we know of people that just ignored something in their life, a pain or a discomfort, or they just ignored something and and uh, and come to find out something really was serious. And I know that sometimes we can take those things overboard, but but the, our body is is designed to tell us when something is wrong, and our spirit is designed to tell us when something is wrong. And so I pray, God, help me to understand the power, the power of discernment and to realize I need to take this very, very seriously. Amen. One writer said, first there is desire and then there is deed. It has to start somewhere. Desire, when allowed to dwell, can and will always lead somebody to actually committing the sin. It has to start somewhere, somewhere. So the world... <clears throat> we know, is filled with opportunities to sin. They're all packaged differently, but they're none none less lethal. So we may think of m- many ways that we could sin. I'm not certainly here tonight to try to bring some exhaustive list, but but we are faced on many levels with a temptation to steal. And before you get up and walk out, just bear with me for a moment. Maybe Maybe you're not tempted to shoplift, put a package of ribs in your purse or your coat or whatever. But, there, but life is filled with many opportunities to cheat. And so we have to exercise extreme character and caution when those Opportunities present themselves to us. You can cheat on your taxes or beat somebody out of something that rightfully belongs to them, and and you know on and on and on. The scripture uh, I've referred to a few times through the years, but uh, it's a form of stealing. It's kind of hidden in the scripture, and it makes a lot of people uncomfortable. But it doesn't mean that it's not relevant. And that's found in Proverbs twenty and fourteen. Solomon said in Proverbs twenty fourteen, "It is not. It is not," saith the buyer but when he has gone his way, then he boasteth. Another translation of that says, the shopper says, that's just junk and I'll take it off your hands and then goes boasting about the bargain. Amen. Everybody wants the best deal they can get, but I think there's a scriptural principle involved in negotiations. When we get somewhere where we feel like it's a fair deal, if we're gonna be a real Christ-like man or woman, we need to call it Quits. You may could have gotten another dime or another dollar, but if you lost your character in the process of all that. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> I've just asked my wife, and we haven't had one in years, but I've just asked my wife, please, no more yard sales. <laughs> Tell me what you think you would make, and I'll just I'll just give you that. And When you got something marked down to a quarter and somebody offers you a dime, I just want to walk in the house. I just, I just, I don't know what else to say. It was worth more than a quarter for me to even be standing behind this table. <laughs> just, just tell me what you think you can get. I just rather, you know, one of the most classic stories I've ever heard along this line. Let me deviate here. Some of you'll appreciate this. When there was a, a, a junkyard in Anderson, Indiana, and it was generations old. And um, it was one of those places where you could, uh, maybe they still, some exist, but you could go pick your own part, you know, you go out there and rummage through the cars, and so uh, there was a, these guys that ran this business, you know, were pretty no-nonsense, and I think kind of in that line of work, you probably have to be that way, and and, uh, so they had looking for a particular piece of chrome on an old car, and they thought, well, they may be out there on the back 40 somewhere, and they kind of helped them negotiate their, or navigate their way out there, and so they got out there and finally got the little piece of chrome off the side of the car and they laid it up on the counter and they were standing there and a friend of mine just happened to be standing there when they came in to pay and so uh, they laid the piece of chrome up there and the guy asked him how much you want for that and so he told him how much it was he just went on and on and on about how ridiculously high that was and the man said you know what I agree and he took that piece of chrome and he cracked it over his knee threw it over his shoulder and said next. <laughs> I don't even know who that man is, but he's a hero. Just in my heart, he's just a hero. You just like to, we would all live for moments like that, wouldn't you? Just just say, oh, thank you. I I like you. I'm going to get you to, I'll get him to sign my Bible if I ever meet him. (laughs) So we have to be very careful. It is not, it is not, saith the buyer, but then goeth his way and boasteth. So we need to be very careful that we didn't take advantage of somebody and then go boast to someone else about. How we did them because somebody else is weighing our character and thinking, "Wow, you did that to a widow. Wow, you wow you did that to a neighbor. You did that to a friend." I mean, we need to be very careful. We have live in a world that is just inundated with with, with sexual things everywhere in our world, and so it is it is nothing that our children uh, at the earliest ages are not. Uh, introduced to we live in an hour of such lewdness and such immorality and it is woven into the fabric of everything every advertisement every magazine it doesn't matter where you go there's nothing it's, it seems as though there's just nothing off limits and so we had better pray and ask God to help me live above the temptation of all this because it's there and it's real amen now you go ahead and kick the can if you want to go ahead and look down go ahead and ignore what I'm saying but it's real and it is in our world. It is everywhere present. It is in every corner, crack, crevice of the world that we're living in. And so we had better pray, God, help me to live above this and help me deliver me, keep me, preserve me, Jabez says, from the evil of this world, this present world. Help me. Amen. There are things that, that, that work to tempt us to make substitutions in our life for God. Amen, there are people today that that do not come to church of any shape, form, or fashion because they just don't have time for God. There are things above him, beyond him. Amen, and they desire to worship, as the scripture says, the creature more than the creator. Amen, so we have to be very, very careful that we run away from those things. Idolatry, you know, when we think about idols and idolatry, rather rather our mind kind of just goes to, certain things, but there's a lot of things that can become idolatry in our lives that get ahead of God, and we worship that above God. Nothing should be more important. Put God first, keep God first. He said, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. You put God first, and he will take care of everything else. You know, uh, there there's a real temptation at times Uh, to, to get involved in gossip and slandering and, and uh, all of those things. It's just there. It's, it's, it's all, all around us. And so this applies to all of us, young and old alike. But can you think with me for just a moment how dangerous and how dastardly gossip and slander is. It's probably one of the worst sins that people can commit. It has such a destructive force behind it because you can't unsay something and you can't unhear things. And so when someone just casts something out against your character, against who you are, Someone can live miles and miles and miles away from you. They don't have to be your next door neighbor and it can change and tarnish how people view you in a business deal or how people view you as a child of God or how people view you as just a fellow American. It can really jade their opinion and so we're tempted to do that and so those times... I'm gonna go out on a limb here and I'm gonna say those times when we're talking and the conversation is getting too far and we just kind of feel that little tug in our heart or in the pit of our stomach, that's God saying, hush. Amen. And we just need to hush because if if we're not careful, then we will have given in to the temptation of slander and gossip and things of that nature temptation is real it comes packaged we could talk so many uh, different areas tonight about how we are tempted but if we look back at our text the bible says god is faithful what a great consolation amen temptations and troubles trials they do come our way but the lord has a way he's in control he's got this and so what a comfort that is to know he said god is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able I know all of us in our human weakness have questioned the validity of that particular line. He will not suffer us to be tempted above that we are able, but the Lord has promised that he will make a way of escape with his help He's not just gonna empower our flesh. I don't want us to think that of of the wrong in the scripture. Amen, we cannot forget that we serve a sovereign and an all-powerful God who is still in control and when God said it is enough, it will be enough. Amen, when God says this is the end, it will be the end. At times we look around us and we wonder if God is even aware of our situation. We do that because we're human. But I'll say that we can take a great solace in the word of God, comfort in the power of his promises. Amen, God is in control. In spite of the devil, in spite of what's going on around us, God is still in control. He is sovereign over the affairs, not only of nations, but of people. God is in control. I know that our even as a nation, it is still an hour of great unrest, but can I tell you that God is a God of nations and a God of people. He's not just a God of 503 Cephas Liston Road or 621 Cephas Liston Road. He is a God of of all people and of all nations, all he's got the children singing, he's got the whole world in his hand, and we can go to bed and sleep easy tonight in that consolation. God is able. God will not allow temptation to come our way, that we will not come through this more powerful if we resist those times that is. I'm talking about through his grace and not our own human willpower, but by His grace. Many years ago, I'll date myself here, but many years ago, Flip Wilson tried to convince the world that the devil made him do it. That became a popular phrase. Some of you will remember, I hope more than three, will remember when that was a bumper sticker or a tag on an automobile, the devil made me do it. But you see, Satan can't make you sin. We have to choose to sin. Now, that's a hard truth, but we have to choose sin. I find it it very comforting that God will not allow more testing in my life than I'm able to bear. He has the authority over the enemy. The final portion of this passage says, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that we may be able to bear it. And so God ensures us that there will be a way to escape with every temptation, with every encounter in this life, Amen, but I think there's something that's so very important that we have to understand about this particular passage of scripture and that is we can find a way of escape if we're looking for it. If you're not looking for a way out, you probably won't find a way out. But when you're looking for a way out, God will make a way for us to escape. Amen, we, we have to find it. We have to look for it. I'm not suggesting that God's gonna hide it or make it hard. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is that we have to be intentional in our efforts. Amen, if we wanna do something, let's just be honest. If we wanna do something, we do it. Amen, I know I'm painting with a broad brush and I understand the dangers of that, But but to a great measure, what we want to do, we do. And so if I am intentional about coming out of this and finding that way of escape, God promised that he would help me find that way of escape and would not leave me comfortless. And so I want to be intentional. Amen, I want to find that. When we feel lost, I got to keep something in mind. Amen, a promise that God has made that there is a way to escape. I'm going to ask our musicians to come and let's talk just about a few minutes about some of the things that we can do in our own lives. I think one of the first things that we have to do, and this calls for us to be proactive, it calls for us to be honest with ourselves, with others around us, we have to remove the temptation. You know, some people think, well, I'm just gonna leave it right there just to see if I can take it. So foolish. Don't play with your soul. Eternity. Someone said, eternity's too long for you to be wrong. Amen. Eternity's too long for you to be wrong. And so I need to do everything that I can to remove that. I have to be honest with myself and say, you know, it's just not in my best interest to do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna remove that. And so we can't lie to ourselves about that. As a matter of fact, I believe strongly that we should seek accountability in our lives. Always, but we certainly should seek accountability in our lives when we're tempted. I've shared this story a few times here and a few times other places. I I, I always battle as to whether or not to share, but I feel it on my heart. Um, A pastor, not an apostolic, not a Pentecostal church, but a a very large church years ago was teaching a a leadership seminar. I was listening uh, to this uh, seminar And he shared a a story in their church. There were many uh, ministers on staff, many full-time ministers on staff there. And one of their ministers was the minister of their young married couples. They apparently had a service schedule much like our Sunday service in that they had some breakout sessions. Other classes were being taught during the first portion and then they all came back together. It was their custom, he said, in their church that when the ministers came on the platform that he would shake their hand and hug their necks. The young pastor or the pastor of the young married couples one one day sat down with him and he said, I need to share something with you. He said, I need you to pray with me about something. He said, I am finding myself attracted to to one of the married ladies in our class and he himself was a married man the pastor of course was alarmed by this and had every reason to be but this young pastor said and here's what I'm asking for you to do he said every Sunday our custom is you shake our hand hug our necks and he said when I come on the platform every Sunday he said when you hug my neck I just want you to ask me how are you doing I want accountability How are you doing? Now think about this. There's a lot of trust going on here, wouldn't you say? (laughs) On both sides of the fence, a lot of trust, a lot of trust. This young man obviously trusted his shepherd and this shepherd obviously trusted him. And he said, I just want you to ask me every Sunday. And he didn't say how many Sundays went by, but one Sunday came and he hugged his neck, and when he went to say something, the young man interrupted him and said, "You don't have to ask me anymore. I have the victory. Now, friend, you think, well, that's just so idealistic, Brother Boyd, you're just out here in La La land. No, that's a young man that said, You know what i don't want to I don't want to run the ministry that God has given me a ground. I don't want to lose out with God. I don't want to mess up my family and other family." He was just being real. He's in a real world where the enemy was just dangling something in front of him. And it was entirely possible this young lady knew nothing about this. Amen. I believe that we can live above it. Now, here I'm going back to a point. I believe this young man found the way of escape because he sought it out. He didn't pray some weird prayer, you know, Lord, just let this family get a job in California and move. Amen. He didn't uproot himself, but he sought for a way of escape. Help me find it. I know it's there. Help me to get the victory. I, I believe tonight we can live victoriously. So we need to... We need to remove the temptation. We need to deal with it. We gotta be honest. We gotta pull it out. You see, something's not so big and bad when you get it out in the light. You set it out there. Now now what you gonna do, devil? (laughs) I brought this out. We're praying about this. I'm not in this battle alone. What a different outcome this may have been if this man tried to deal with all of this behind closed doors in the privacy of his own life. He may have lost that battle. And how many families would have been uprooted by that? I think another thing, Paul was so, uh, certainly not the original one, when he said to Timothy, flee. Paul learned that from Joseph. When Potiphar's wife reached out, he ran. Ran. He didn't say, excuse me, pardon me. But he ran. Let's stand. I think that we have to be proactive. Proactive. Living above temptation, that sounds so mystical. It doesn't just happen on its own. I think we have to trust God's word. The scriptures have had, having done all to stand. Can somebody say it? Stand. Stand. Sometimes it's not too complicated. It's just standing. Amen, it's standing. I'm thankful for the power of the Lord. I'm thankful for the power of the Lord. Amen. Let's worship the Lord. Can we sing this?
0: This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m.